Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the weekly spin-off podcast because holy hell, don't we all need a distraction right now. I'm Paul Verhoeven, that's John Verhoeven, and Dad... Given that you are a dad, it seems fairly appropriate that you've asked me permission to begin this episode of Loose Ends with a dad joke. Can I just kind of, at this juncture, say to you that I'm curious as to why you say a dad joke. It's like you're actually making a preemptive excuse in case mm-hmm. it falls flat. Yes, what I will say is that if you have a professional stand-up comedian who is a dad, they don't tell dad jokes. A dad joke is typically pun-based, groan-worthy, really dumb, but everyone likes them. So, you know, broad appeal, really stupid. Is that what you Paul, say? That's- Paul, you, 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 it's like you're using a rapier and you're just cutting me down before I've even started because this joke mm-hmm. is very, well, it's moderately cerebral. Well, let's let the audience be the judge of that, Dad. Mm-hmm. There's a a little sort of bit of information I need to place out there mm-hmm. prior to telling the joke. All the best jokes require elaborate setup and explanations. Do they? No. <laughs> well, Paul, yep. let's see who gets the last laugh. So to set the joke up, what has to be appreciated is that members of the Jewish faith oh, cannot God. handle or touch money on a Saturday. Three sort of members of three religions meet at a bar one day. There's an Anglican minister, a Catholic priest. Did I just say priest? What are you, Sean Cath- Connery? A Catholic priest? <laughs> oh, God. A Catholic priest and a, a rabbi. Yeah. Okay. Now, they're sort of whiling away the Saturday afternoon... Actually, no, it's not a Saturday afternoon. Sorry. Oh, fuck's sake. Do you want to, do you want to Paul, start again? No, I don't. It's a fucking good joke. So they're chatting away, having a few uh, whiskeys, and they start talking about miracles. And each one of them says, look, I believe I've got the very, very best story that will, that will demonstrate an extraordinary miracle. Mm-hmm. So the Anglican minister, he explains that one summer he was up in the Blue Mountains, which is west of Sydney, and there was a major bushfire. And the fire was coming toward him, and he realised that he was going to die. So what he did, he dropped to his knees and he started praying. And for 50 metres around him, the fire just circled him and it, it saved him. Just and then it just went on its merry way. Huh. And when he stood up he realized that a fifty meter circle was untouched, unscathed by this horrendous bushfire. Now the other two were pretty impressed. The Catholic priest then says that he was a very, very keen fisherman 
He was out fishing off Sydney and this incredible storm, like a southerly buster came through, the sky blackened, the sea began to sort of become very, very ferocious, massive waves, and his little boat was about to be overturned. He was about to drown. He dropped to his knees in the boat and for 50 metres around him, the sea was be calm. Incredible? Mm-hmm. And it was a miracle. The rabbi said that he had a story he believed was the most extraordinary miracle he'd ever encountered, and that is that he was in New York on a Saturday morning, and he heard sirens, and he looked out the window of this little coffee shop, and he could see the police chasing an armor guard vehicle. And as the armor guard vehicle turned around the corner, right outside the coffee shop, it flipped over, and all the money, millions of dollars, was just all over the road. And the rabbi ran over to the, uh, to the scene. He dropped to his knees, and for 50 metres around him was a Wednesday. Paul? Yeah, it's all right. That is a very good joke. I mean, you shouldn't need to leap to its defense quite so, you know. It's a really, really good joke. It's very clever. You can't, Dad. If you tell a joke, the cool thing to do is just let it just let it sit there. Hmm. Anyway, right? I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. And I hope, I hope the, uh, the listeners, you know, don't mind starting off with a joke, but I thought it was, you know. I got a joke for you. Yep. What's the difference between a hippo and a zippo? One's heavy and one's a little lighter. Yeah. That's a crap joke. Yeah? So how are you, Paul? <laughs> really kind of trampled on the jokes. Uh, I'm okay. Although I have received a deluge of emails from listeners and uh, messages on our Facebook page about a specific piece of news. Can I read you a headline, Dad? Most definitely. Okay. Sydney underworld figure Arthur Stanley Nettie Smith dies. Convicted murderer, drug trafficker, and armed robber Arthur Nettie Smith has died in jail, age 76. He had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease in the 1980s and had dementia. It's understood he died of natural causes. Uh, he died in Long Bay Hospital at about 5.20 p.m. yesterday, I believe, and they reported this 13 hours ago. So uh, it says here, Smith, and you know this, Smith was a gangland figure, murderer, rapist, armed robber, and a big-time heroin dealer who benefited from police corruption. Now... Uh, have you had any dealings with this guy? Paul, um, Nettie Smith was, he was a bad man. I didn't have any direct dealings with him, mm-hmm. but um, every police officer in New South Wales certainly knew about him and, and, and you know, would have would have feared him. Um, but isn't that weird? He dies yesterday. I don't know anything about it. And you know what? I don't actually care. So that there are so many people that have done so many terrible things and they, they come to pass. I guess as we all do, but... Um, what were his links to, you know, your time in the police? Through Roger Rogerson. Okay, okay. Yeah. And what was his like, What was his link to Roger Rogerson? Because I knew, I knew the name and I was sure that you'd mentioned him at some point. Mm. Yeah, I may, may well have mentioned him. He was sort of one of the top um, sort of bad guys in the New South Wales Police, that era of, of mm. terrible corruption. But um, yeah, 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 really... Um, Really scary. It says here he revealed how members of the New South Wales Police Force had given him a green light to commit all crimes bar murder, for which he would be guaranteed immunity. Can you Jesus. believe it? He, he he testified before the Independent Commission Against Corruption about multiple major armed robberies he had committed 
with a nod from the corrupt police. He gave evidence against Roger Rogerson and other corrupt police officers who said he paid large sums from his heroin deals to turn a blind eye. It's just unbelievable. It's that level was, of corruption is just horrifying. Yeah, but know? he was also charged with the murder of Sally Ann Huckstep. Ah, there's a link we understand. Yes, and you may recall that you and I had a, a bit of a conversation with the uh, the winner of our trivia night. Yes. Uh, and we... And she said, did I have any stories from the vault? And did I not touch on Sally Ann Huckstep? Yes, you did. I no. don't know whether he was ever charged with... I mean, he was charged, but I don't know whether he was actually... It was ever proven that he... Um, but he, do you know that he was the suspect in at least 14 murders in Sydney and he was charged with eight of them, but only convicted of one of them? That's bananas. I mean, that's how terrible terrible it was and he was also uh, jailed for the murder of a tow truck driver during the 1980s oh god it's all coming back to me now oh god fuck do you want me to tell you a quick story yes oh dear it's all coming back to me paul i it's just so he was such a bad guy neddy smith here's an example listeners of the sort of guy he was and this happened in the 1980s well obviously when when else you know this is just classic 80s Mm -hmm. he He's driving along. It happened from memory at Kingsford, which is a suburb kind of in southern Sydney. It's Ironically, it's on the way to Long Bay Jail. Mm-hmm. And a tow truck driver accidentally runs into uh, Nettie Smith. It's a minor, minor accident. It's a minor altercation. This can show you, listeners, if you have a car accident and you decide to get out of the car when the blood's boiling, just remember, you don't know who's in the other car. And on this fateful day in 1987, this poor tow truck driver decided to have a slight altercation with Arthur Nettie Smith. And what did Nettie Smith do, Paul? I'm guessing he either attacked or killed him. He murdered him. Fuck's sake. In... in in cold-blooded murder during the day on a public street. He didn't give a rat's ass. That's the level this guy was. And it's a very, very salient lesson. If ever you, as I said before, if ever you um, decide to get out of a car and, and, you know, I mean, road rage has led to to people being murdered. And it's scary. And there, there have been so many cases all over the world. With people completely. Some of them use their cars like a battering ram. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I think you've just got to sort of learn to, to let things slide and, and be very wary. Right, so this poor driver just like bumps into the... I mean, how, how hard did he hit him? Not that that should matter. Mm, I don't know the exact... I'd need to sort of go back and sort of do a little bit of research, Paul, but I, it's a very interesting... It's an interesting thing about when you say to me, Dad, have you got any more stories? And I invariably say, mate... I've really, I'm spent. And then all of a sudden, you mentioned Nettie Smith dying. Stories start to come come forth. Yeah. It's so interesting. Do you have any more? Have you been having any weird dreams lately? Do you think this, this whole lockdown thing is affecting people's dream state? Yeah, it's been driving me a bit weird, honestly, because I think dreams are fed by the amount, but, you know, dreams are fed by what is around you. Yeah. Mm, mm. So if I'm sitting there doom scrolling through Twitter, all day just inhaling very angry stuff i mean the world's really tricky right now or mm. i'm talking to people about fucking covid non-stop uh mm. or i'm trapped in the apartment watching tv mm. my the, the stimulus that feeds my dream machine or whatever is it's like every, all the valves are all clogged up so mm. yeah i'm having some weird dream look weird vivid dreams i assume you ask because you've had some odd dreams is that correct? well i pride myself on having totally weird and wacky dreams. Now, I know that everyone has some weird dreams, but I, hand on heart, can tell you and the listeners about a dream I had two nights ago. Mm -hmm. And Christine, who's sitting behind me now, she actually tapped me on the shoulder. I removed my headphones Mm -hmm. and she said, why don't you tell them about such and such? Now... It's not a long story, obviously, but dreams are fascinating. And Anne, your sister, has her best friend, Prue, who lives in Bangkok with Sid, and they've just had a baby. So they're living in a city that's got some major problems with COVID. Yeah. And they're basically trapped there. There's no way they're getting out of Bangkok aside from the fact that they've that he's got this amazing job there. So they've just had this little baby. It's funny saying just had a little baby because imagine if I said they just had this massive baby, which you wouldn't say. I had a dream two nights ago that I was in a house. It was, it was my house and it was kind of from the 1940s. It was of that period, sort of a bit of a, sort of a, just a weird feeling about it. It was, it was, 
untouched, unrestored, fairly drab. And I was sitting in the lounge room of this house and I could hear someone talking. And I realized this talking was coming from the kitchen. And I walked into the kitchen and I opened up the cupboard and there were three cans of malt. Now, listeners, I love, in fact, I'd go so far as to say probably my favorite dessert is is just vanilla ice cream and then I cover it with malt powder. We did that for you, I believe, for the first time uh, over at our place. I think I made it for you a few nights in a row and you ate all our malt. I know that because every time I go to the can, it's like, oh, that's right, Dad ate it all. Paul, I love malt. I know. It's amazing. And then if you really want to be kind of weird and bizarre about it, Mm -hmm. what I sometimes do is I get my thumb Uh and I press my thumb into the malt at the top. So it's like a volcano Mm -hmm. and I fill... Like when I pull my thumb out, there's a nice hole. And you know what I put in there? What? Maple syrup. So it's a combo of maple syrup running down, like sliding down this slippery slope, which is like a mini volcano. And then I I just go for it. Sure. Okay. So the dream, please. So I... I reach up and I pull one of the malt tins down and I open the lid and guess what's inside? Malt? No. Prue, Anne's friend. She's living in the can of malt. There's no malt in it. Paul? She's quite a bit small. She's quite a bit smaller at this point, I assume. No, but yeah. she's curled up and she's looking at me and she's talking to me. And then in the next can was her husband Sid. And then in the third can was their little baby. So That's the weird. three of them are living in my kitchen in malt tins. <laughs> does that so not what, strike you as incredibly bizarre? What does that mean? I've, well, I think it's something to do with their, that they're confined uh-huh. in, a, in a space. and it's Plus, I love malt. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, mate, but isn't it just... And then I just, then I just pop the little cans back up once I made sure they were okay, and then I just closed the door. Okay, that, I mean that makes zero sense to me, but I'm very happy for you. God, that's weird. Hmm, it is odd. I don't know what to, Dad. I don't know what to do with that information. No, no, no. And also, I've been getting a lot of inquiries about antiques. Getting some fascinating, um, you know, people are sending a lot of photographs through of their of their treasures. And I got a call from, and I'm going to kind of allude to who she is because she said she didn't mind. Now she lives in Coffs Harbour. Mm-hmm. She's a diehard fan, Paul. She's a real devotee of loose units. And she knows about the antique side of things. And she said to me that her grandfather was the first governor of the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. Now, that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. And and in the 1920s, he was presented with a, a canteen of cutlery. My point is that... People often think things are very, very valuable, but they might not necessarily be valuable. Mm-hmm. So the fact, and it had it piqued my interest because I thought, shit, he's the he's the the governor of the Commonwealth Bank of Australia. But but get ready for this. She said that there's a plaque on the front of this huge oak box with all this beautiful cutlery in it, and it's been presented to him by the king. That's the king of England. Yeah. Now that's slightly exciting, isn't it? Yeah. 
So I'm thinking. So what, well, so what happened? Well, she sent the photos. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it was like a mini detective story. You are confronted with the evidence and you begin to examine the evidence. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I noticed on this oak box was a plaque. But the plaque was sort of brass and it had been it had been sort of um, engraved quite nicely. But I read the print and all the information within the label and it said it just mentions the king. It doesn't actually say it's from the king. It says it's from the staff at a bank in England. And then I noticed that the plaque itself was not sterling silver. And then I, I looked at the, the wood and it was oak and not some exotic timber. And then... She sent photographs of the interior. Then I got her to send photographs of the hallmarks and it just said that it was plated. Then I I thought I can't text my response because I didn't want to upset her. So I I got her, I I spoke to her um, on the phone and I gave her the entire sort of breakdown of why it wasn't from the king. And I said if it was from the king, and as the reason I've just explained to you, sterling silver mount, Exotic timber, like some rare African rosewood, and it would have been sterling silver. And none of those three things were the case. But it was very interesting explaining to someone. Now, this particular canteen of cutlery has been in her family for more than 70 years. It has never been used. It's like the holy grail in the family where it becomes a legend whereby you get this sort of an aura of of mystique around something and then as the generations come and go they build up this this thing like a legend of this is so incredible and then all of a sudden an antique dealer comes along and that's very difficult in my job and I've done it many 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 times where I've had to slowly if they're nice people deflate the whole story there was that story about my parents used to go to this house on the weekend and um, there was this one chair that was always covered by a sheet in this room and no one was ever allowed to I never even saw the chair as a young kid I just saw this thing in the corner that was draped and then many many years later when the husband passed away the wife called me to come and view this this incredible treasure and I was so excited because I remembered it from being a young boy and throughout my teens and this thing was so rare, so valuable that it, it could never even be seen. That the, the light never hit it. It was always kept in this dark room, mm. and it was all based on on legend. And then finally, I got to see what was beneath this 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 white cloth. And the uh, you know the, the wife that I'd known since I was basically born, and now I was an adult. I was an antique dealer. She removes this white sheet and I'm just standing there and I was so in awe of what I saw and how underwhelmed I was. And this legend chair was actually a chair from the 1940s that may have been used for playing bridge, the card game, and it was worth about $30. Right, so it's the expectation versus reality thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And as an antique dealer, you've got to be very gentle bringing down people. Unless people are rude. Yeah, I've uh, I've had lots of situations where... Well, for example, when you go to a, an estate and the family have got um, 
at, say, a teacup, and they say, and they're all gathered around, and they say, look, um, we know that this is at least 100 years old because it belonged to our great-great-grandmother. And I say, when did your great-great-grandmother pass away? And they say, oh, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And I go, okay, so is it not possible that she bought this when she was in her 70s, you see? So these are sort of facts that you need to sort of bring in. There's a whole... Because sometimes the evidence is irrefutable. Mm. Like there can be a mark underneath a piece of porcelain that tells you it was made in March 1937. But the family say that's not possible. It was definitely from the 1800s. It came out on the first fleet. And you're going, but hang on. The, and it's so weird when you're dealing with people. And it's a little bit like the problems we're having today with information. The Some people just choose to totally ignore the facts. Mm. And it doesn't matter what you do or say. You can't... They just... They believe that they're right. And you... I think it's in that case often best not to, um, you know, try not to argue. Yeah. Because, yeah. Anyway, that's a, an anecdotal story. Paul, one of my... <clears throat> this might sort of sound a bit contrived, but um, I'll tell you a band that I do love, Paul. Yeah. Uh, Savage Garden. <laughs> Savage Garden. Don't I? Although you did, you did, no, you did buy an Aqua album once when we were growing up. That was very odd. Well, that's. You I'm know. not sure that that's a compliment, and I'm uh, not sure I don't. I'm not sure I want listeners to actually know that I actually did that. But um, that's fine. No, no Savage look, Garden. I mean, and I believe that you and Tegan have just interviewed him. Yeah, we interviewed uh, Darren Hayes, which is crazy. So this week on Dish, it's a big, really interesting chat with Darren Hayes. We actually had to split it into two episodes, Dad. So it's a two-parter. So um, next I, week, I love I love two-parters. <clears throat> In fact, two-parters, Paul. That reminds me of a particular two-parter that I've I've copped a little bit of grief over, and that's the witch story. Yeah. People, are, we're, we're, it's a cliffhanger. Oh yeah, of course, because we'll be picking that up next week. So next mm. Tuesday, we'll be picking up where we left off in the case of the witch, mm. and then the week after that, we'll be wrapping up this season of Loose Units. I know, I know, that's incredible. And also, Paul, I speaking about things you know, to do with cooking, mm-hmm. um, because of the whole environment, I've become, might I say, an avid cook. Two nights ago, I made, get ready for this, I made four signature pizzas, but here's the thing, every pizza was different. How's that? Yeah. Do you want to post some photos of the, of the pizzas? I didn't take photos of them, but they were bloody, ah. they were awesome. I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to cooking for you and Tegan. Can't wait. Really and, can't wait. And you're in for a treat, I promise. Christine actually said these pizzas were, were top shelf. She said the words top shelf? Uh, maybe not top shelf, but <laughs> she liked them. Oh, God, Paul. I'm looking forward to eating those pizzas. I'm looking forward to seeing you. We're going to get, we'll get back onto part two of The Witch on Tuesday. But in the meantime, everyone, have a really good weekend. Uh, stay safe, and we will see you soon for more Loose Units. Bye, everyone. Bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. 
Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.